Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 295 of Selling the Couch. Happy New Year. I can't believe, and uh, can't believe one, we're at 2022 but uh, I just feel so happy and excited to be re-releasing our new podcast episodes. I took a much-needed break from through November and December to the, well, the last part of November. To be honest, I was uh, feeling a little bit burnt out. I, I hit a bit of a wall with just like emotionally and I think the pandemic wall, right? And just all the different, you know, managing a business, managing family you know, having a toddler, all of those different things. And, and then the pandemic on top of all of this, right? And just uh, the rest was much needed. And I feel good and excited for a new season of the podcast. While we were on break, the podcast hit a pretty big milestone, which is uh, 1.2 million downloads, which is insane. It's absolutely bonkers. I remember telling Susan, my partner, that it would when we first launched this, that, man, it would be so cool if we got like a thousand downloads, like a thousand, you know, like people listening, that would be so awesome. And then I remember thinking like, it'd be so cool to have 10,000 or a hundred thousand, but always feeling like it was so long, like, you know, it was not going to happen for a while. And I just can't believe these numbers. Like, I mean, this is just, this is six years in podcasting is definitely not easy. There's such a vulnerability that's involved. And I'm grateful for each of you. You know, I I do this for our field. And thank you for the privilege of just taking the time every week to listen. And just for sharing it with our colleagues. Uh, It really means it means so much to me. Sorry, I didn't mean to get emotional. Today's today's podcast is one of my favorite topics, which is personal finance. And my guest today is Andy Gupta. Andy and I have become really good friends here in the past couple of months. We actually met through Maven, which is this cohort-based accelerator that I was fortunate to be a part of at the end of last year. And Andy is one of the most kind and sensitive and just just genuine people that I've ever met. Andy's also extremely modest. So you'll hear this on the interview. And we're talking about the three investing mistakes that the average investor makes. Andy was on Wall Street for 20 years. He's a graduate of Harvard Business School. He knows sort of the ins and outs of investing. And he wanted to make that more approachable 
for just average people. He has a particular passion. Um, he didn't mention this on in the interview, but I, I know he'll be okay with me sharing this. But he has a particular passion, I think, for for women to know investing because of just how much just overwhelming messages there are, right? And uh, so Andy's on, and we're talking about these three investing mistakes, and I can't wait to share this with you. So here is my conversation with Andy Gupta. Hey friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, Among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Hey, Andy, welcome to Selling the Couch. Hey, Melvin. It's great to see you here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's wonderful to see you as well. And one, you know, we we haven't been friends for a long time, but it feels like we've been friends for a long time. And so, you know, we connected and met through Maven, and I'm just so grateful for you, brother. I just for your heart and your especially your desire to not just like build a business, but to do it while considering family and all of those things. And I'm just, yeah, I'm just so grateful for you. You know, it's it's funny connections. I think are always mutual, which is what leads to. Uh, a friendship like ours, where we've known each other for um, a couple of months, but I think it's that energy and the connection, I think, where our goals are similar and our values are similar. So I feel lucky to have uh, connected with you and uh, share our mutual interests. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Did I ever tell you that I thought about starting a personal finance blog before? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, how cool. This was when? This was in college or later? No, actually, like right when I started selling the couch, like before that, I was like, do I want to keep it more like more personal finance related or do I want to, you know, do selling the couch? And yeah, it was interesting. I I mean, ultimately I selected selling the couch, but I felt like one of the nice things has been I get to roll in these kind of personal finance things. You'd be good at it. Yeah. You'd be good at it. There's a whole bunch of stuff. I don't know, which is why like we're having this conversation, Andy. I know this, folks that, that know you know this, but you have such a unique history. And so I was wondering if you could give us like 90 second bullet pointed version of like why investing is not just about like technical stuff, right? But it, I mean, you speak from the heart to the heart. Yeah, sure, Melvin. So look, my background is I grew up in Mumbai and I didn't come from a lot of wealth. And there was a fear, you know, there was a fear of uh, ending up on the streets for me, which was very vivid, very real. And because of the relationship, because of my uh, circumstances in my household, and that fear is so real that it, it's, it's still with me today. But I found my way to college here in the United States, but I had to work. I had to work five jobs to help make up the part that wasn't covered by my scholarship, but then defied all odds and ended up at Goldman Sachs to start my career there. And went to Harvard Business School and spent 20 years in Wall Street and in the middle uh, had to restart from scratch, which is a story for another day. But here's what I found, uh, having invested well and having learned from the sharpest minds in my career, that I have gone from 
that kid working five jobs at college to being at a place where I have my definition of financial freedom. Everybody's definition is different. And because I changed my life, and I don't think the principles of investing are complex, but they are made out to be, and Wall Street seems so intimidating for the everyday investor. And my wife is a doctor and she impacts people every day that I felt during this 20 years, particularly the last 10 years that I've been married to her. How am I making a difference with my skill set to you, to the non-professional investor? How am I making that difference? And I finally, finally found a way to be able to combine my passion and to be able to do this for others where I hope I can transform one life at a time and help people take that first bold step towards their version of financial freedom. That's why I'm empowered to do what I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely. What is your definition of financial freedom? Andy's definition. Look, for me, it is my, my daughters are four and six. And for me, it is, am I able to drop my daughters off to school? Do I have the freedom to pick them up? Can I spend the morning breakfast time with my wife and enjoy that morning coffee with her, have a chit chat? I didn't have options growing up. I had no safety net, zero. Can I create that safety net, net for my kids? Can I do the things that I enjoy? For me, it's having an authentic conversation. That's why I think I connect with you, Mel. Can I have that time with my friends? And finally, can I have an impact? For me, growing up in Mumbai, having that fear of being on the streets, making an impact to orphans. Sorry, I'm getting a little, getting a little emotional here. But that fear was so real for me that if I can use some of my wealth to uh, make an impact on a child's life, that, that's my definition, Mel. Sorry. Okay. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> one, I, I feel like thank you for trusting us and thank you for trusting me even, even to share that. Cause I think this is, you know, like a big part of why I think we connect because wealth and impact is not just about, Hey, shine the spotlight on me and, and just keep shining it. But it's more when that spotlight is shined on us, whether it is through, the influence we have or the wealth that we have, and we use it to help others. I mean, that is, I feel like one of the greatest joys in life, right? It's not the Absolutely. stuff we have, right? But it's what Absolutely. we do with the stuff we have. We, we've we talked a little bit privately, right? About like investing and all of this stuff. And and part of my mm-hmm. motivation, I think, in having you on the converse or on the podcast is just like you said, like when you Wall Street feels intimidating. All of this like language and technical language feels super intimidating, right? Mm-hmm. It's really easy to make mistakes yeah. in the world of investing because I think particularly because there's so much information thrown at us, right? I wanted to spend some time just talking about like the three mistakes mm-hmm. that that even like the average investor makes. Sure. What would you say is like the first one? Look, the first one is very topical right now is trying to time the market, right? The fear of, is the market going to crash? So why don't I just wait for it to crash and let me leave my money in the, in the bank? So timing the market is the number one fallacy. And just to use a strong word here so people can remember it, having done this for 20 years and having looked at data for the last 100 years, timing the market is a fool's errand, truly. And I'd love to share some data if that's helpful to people to even further remember this. Yeah, I love the data, but I wanted to share like a story, which is I remember when the pandemic first started, right? Like hearing all these news stories, like pull your money out, 
like pull your money out, right? Like it's it's too volatile. We don't know what's going on. And I remember like <laughs> I mean, I looked at our portfolio and the drop like from two days, I was like, <gasps> I had to like take a deep, you know, like, oh my gosh. And but then who could have predicted it, right? Like that the market would have has done as as well as it has in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, it's just who could have predicted it, right? And you know, you <laughs> Well, you bring up such a relevant point, right? Who could have predicted that big spike up? And one thing is what you felt, I felt. I've been doing this for 20 years. I've been doing it professionally, and I still felt that pain. And in fact, I pulled all my money out, right? Even after 20 years of doing this, the fear, the primitive mind, you know that well, you're a psychologist. Uh, everyone I'm speaking to here understands the primitive mind. I froze after two and a half weeks of seeing my portfolio go down every day. And I sold, and here's what I reminded myself, and I'd love to share this with you. I, I went back into the market literally two days later, and now my portfolio has more than doubled. It, 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 it's, it's better than where it was even before, right? But here's what I reminded myself to get that control back from the primitive mind. No one can predict the big up days that happen. And here was a study that was done that was published by Bank of America Merrill Lynch earlier this year. If you miss the 10 best days in the market in an entire decade, right? So in 10 years, you miss the 10 best days. And Mel, to your point, you can't predict those 10 days. Now you go back nine decades. So you're going back to the 1930s. So in each of these nine decades, you miss the 10 best days. Take a guess at what your total return would be. 28%. 28% over this nine decade period if you miss the 10 best days. All right, now here is the kicker. And I want all of you to remember this number because this is the number I remember to get back into the market the next day. If you stayed in the market, two world wars, hyperinflation, the global energy crisis, right? All these market crashes that we've had. If you stayed in the market this whole period, your return would have been a staggering, get ready for this, 17,700%. And look, let's not look at the last 90 years. I've run the data for the last 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. The difference in trying to time the market and missing on the best days versus just staying in the market is astronomical, huge. And that's what I'd love for your viewers to take away from this is timing the market really does not work because you cannot predict the big updates. Yeah, you can't predict what those 10 days will be. This is a really silly question. What is the incentive to create the panic for these like, you know, like gurus and whatever? So it's human behavior, right? And, and, and you are an expert at human mind and human psychology. I've studied, of course, from having been on the other side on Wall Street and being in the marketplace and seeing what's happening around me. Now, one of the things, of course, is there's two, there's two dynamics, right? So one is computers trade a lot. And when they pick up cues, there is an incentive to sell. And there is a strategy called momentum selling or momentum buying. So when things are going down, the, just people pick up on that momentum and you just keep going down. And this is short-term. This is all short-termism, right? Short-term trading. A lot of managers get compensated at their performance at December 31st or year end. For some, it's a little different. So it's a very artificial measure and you don't want to fall behind. You don't want to be the last person standing with a bag. So everybody's trying to exit the door and imagine there's one door and all these people are trying to exit an auditorium and there's this massive chaos. And then people like you and me who are the non-professional investors, what do we do? We see this mayhem happening around us. The primitive mind takes over. And if we don't have the basic education, on trying to understand what exactly is happening, what do we do? We panic, we sell. 
So that just drives the short-term panic and the crash. So interesting. So the first point is timing the market does not work. What would you say is the second mistake? The second biggest, biggest mistake that I see is believing that cash in the bank is safe. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you, viewers, do you really put your hand over your heart and say, do you feel cash in your savings account is safe? Well, let me just ask you that. Think about it. Mm. It feels safe because if I have $10,000 that I put in the bank today, or I put in $10,000 last year, I open up my bank account, it's still $10,000 now. 10 years from now, it'll still be $10,000. It feels safe. Yes, I'm not losing. That $10,000 is going to remain $10,000. It feels super safe. And I'm sure there's a term for it in psychology. But here's why cash in the bank is one of the worst assets. It's guaranteed to lose you money every year. Inflation was at 7% in November. What that means is, and you earn about half a percent in the best savings account. What that means is that $10,000 that you put in last year in your bank account that you thought was safe, it's lost 7% of its buying power. You've literally torched 7% of that cash. You don't see it. And that's what makes it even more dangerous is I call it the invisible cookie monster. And you know, Mel, here is the stark. Let me just, let me just say it very simply. Here's what's staggering. If, let's just say there are two friends and they've got $10,000, one decides to put it in the market. You know, on average over the last 20 years, the market has earned about 7%, give or take. And the other puts it in a bank account and inflation is running at about 2.5%. By the time they retire, they're both 30 years old. And by the time they retire in 35 years, well, the person who put it in the market increased their wealth five times. Right, that ten thousand became fifty thousand dollars. The person who thought they were playing it safe and had it in the bank, that ten thousand dollars halved in value. The ten thousand dollars became five thousand dollars. Now, and this is just at two and a half percent inflation. Yeah. When they both retire, the person who invested has fifty thousand dollars. The person who played it safe has five thousand dollars. You see the difference—a ten times difference. And this is just with ten thousand dollars. Now, use your own numbers. Use a hundred thousand dollars. That became $500,000 for the person who invested versus $50,000 for the person who played it safe. The numbers are astronomical. And this is what leads to the difference between creating generational wealth with average income, creating a safe retirement versus thinking that I'm playing it safe and actually the invisible cookie monster eating a cookie away. This, uh, this reminds me of like those old stories, like the stories that we would hear of like people putting their cash and underneath their beds and mattresses and all of that stuff, right? Thinking it was safe. Yeah. yeah. And I just like, I thought of that. Uh, again, I have a silly question. So you're an advocate of, you know, investing the money, but like how much money should you have? Like, for example, like, I mean, I, I would think it'd be reasonable to have like an emergency fund, right? Like a sure. three or six month or whatever, right? Like, so I guess, how do you sort of approach that? Like how much, I, I imagine there's some cash there, Right, yeah. just account for emergencies, but then, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's a great question, Mel. And I, of course, I got a caveat that I'm not a financial advisor or an RIA, so this is more based on my personal experience and for education for for your viewers. But of course, one should have cash for emergency reserves, right? What one can say is, look, I know that at some point the market's going to crash, right? I can't say is that tomorrow, next year, five months from now, five years from now, we can't. But looking at history, the market's going to crash, and it'll happen multiple times. But that doesn't mean, given the examples, both number one and number two that I gave, that we sit on the sidelines because that's guaranteed to lose us money. So how do we invest smartly, right? So of course, first is have a cash reserve, depending on your comfort level. And second is if you've got some major payments coming up, like a down payment for a 
house or a education bill, whatever it might be, right? I've always followed the principle. I'm going to put that away in cash. I don't want to play the risk. I can call this short term, but I know over the long term, I'll be fine investing in the market. So that's number one. But number two is really the third biggest mistake that people make is I think unknowingly they may take on too much risk by overexposing themselves to something. So for example, it could be property, right? I feel comfortable with property. So let me just buy property. Most of my money is in property. Well, that could work out okay, but they could be, you know, events that make it very difficult and property is illiquid. Or we may be invested in Bitcoin because that's the newest, biggest trend. And there's this greed factor, right? Oh my God, I can double my money. But instead, what works now is thinking about a diversified portfolio. And, and what really means, let's just cut out the jargon here. What that really means is you want to be invested in asset classes. And I'll explain what that means. That don't move perfectly together. So for example, an asset class is equities. Within equities, you could be invested in US stocks, and you can buy one single stock that invests in an entire US market. And you can be in emerging markets, right? They don't quite move together. The correlation is about 0.5 right now. Or you could have an allocation to gold, which Mel has a correlation of zero to the international to, to, to the stock market, right? Or you could have a little bit of fixed income. But the whole idea is the art and science of mixing asset classes that don't quite move together, where you can actually reduce your risk and not necessarily give up the return. And Mel, here's what's amazing. There was a Nobel Prize one for this. There was a Nobel Prize one for this amazing thing. The professionals know this theory. Most people, most non-professional investors do not know this. And we created a portfolio in my class where we got the same expected return as investing in the US stock market by using about seven or eight funds. And we reduced the risk by 20% using this principle. That last point is so gold because you know, I think as like humans, like we feel like, okay, I have an area that I have expertise in and let me just like jump in and go all into that. Yeah. I think like, I mean, I've shared this with you guys on the podcast. So I guess it's almost been a year, put some money into crypto. Again, it's like less than 5% of our overall portfolio. Right. But, but yeah, you see this kind of stuff, right? Like everybody's like, you know, got to jump in, got to jump in, got to jump in. And then you're not careful, right? Mm-hmm. And you keep jumping in and pretty much that that 5% ends up being like 70%, right? Which means sure. like, so I think that last point is is awesome. I think it's important having that framework and look, my whole my whole mission is let's take the overwhelm out and let's take the jargon out because it's not complicated and let's give people a framework so that they don't succumb to the fear, they don't succumb to the greed and they take the overwhelm out and then they're confidently stepping towards their path to the definition of financial freedom. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I'm just so grateful for you. Grateful for our friendship. Just grateful Likewise. for your your mission. You know, your yeah, your heart, your heart is so good and you're such a good person. So well, thank you. That's why we connect because I feel the same about you. Where can we learn more about you? You've got a lot of stuff going on, including a, a live cohort course. That's right. Right. Where you actually walk folks through setting up their own investment portfolio and actually not just setting it up, but actually teaching them how to manage this in an efficient way, which like, you know, and would love to learn more about that. And yeah, definitely. Sure. So first of all, people can follow. I put a lot of free content out there four times a week on my LinkedIn, which is just linkedin.com slash Andy Gupta. That's the best place you can get a lot of free content. 
But second is for those who want to dive a little deeper is I've designed this course for busy professionals and busy entrepreneurs where you can go from basic to novice knowledge. You don't have to have the knowledge of investing or be a math whiz. But I take you through this process over 30 days. It's a live, small cohort-based class where in 30 days, you will build your own investment portfolio, having iterated through it three or four times, live in class, having understood the concepts and keeping it simple. And you bust through your mindset and fears and you've learned the tactics to create a portfolio that's as unique as your fingerprints, because I believe that should be the case. It's true to your values, to your risk profile, to your investment goals. And after you've done this, you've got a portfolio that's ready to invest. This could be a retirement portfolio, your college plan, or your uh, non-retirement pool of money that you're looking to grow. And after this, you're spending less than 30 minutes a week monitoring your portfolio and then coming back every three to four months to, to rebalance. It's a pretty powerful way for people to demystify investing and really be empowered. That's what I've seen in my students. They have that sense of empowerment that they're finally taking control of something that seemed so complex is no longer. I mean, I've told Andy this, but I'm going to be his student in a future cohort because I feel like, I don't know, just his ability to break down stuff in a way that's easy to understand. And also just, I mean, to do it with heart, you know, with a genuine desire to want to help people succeed. I mean, I'm all about learning from folks like that. So Andy, I'm grateful for you. I will put a link to the live cohort in, in the show notes page, which you guys can find over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 295. But Andy, do you offhand have the URL as well? I do. It's uh, www.maven.com slash Andy dash Gupta slash anyone dash can dash invest dash now. Seems a mouthful, but really the way to remember it is anyone can invest now. And you just got to put dashes between each word and a dash between Andy Gupta. So www.maven.com backslash Andy dash Gupta backslash anyone can invest now, but just put dashes between those words. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Andy, thank you again for doing this and have a great rest of your day. Well, thank you so much for having me. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hey there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Andy and especially if the world of investing, it just feels really overwhelming. And yeah, it just feels really overwhelming and confusing. I hope that today's podcast session has just given you just a different perspective, particularly on mindset when it comes to investing. So again, the three tips that Andy shared was timing the market does not work. It's a fool's errand. Second one is cash in the bank is not safe. You're guaranteeing yourself a substantial loss. The third one is most people don't realize how they could reduce risk, but instead take massive risk by being overexposed to a certain market. You know, I was uh, reflecting a lot on this and I shared this in the interview, but, you know, I've often just have been really always interested in personal finance. And I think part of it also is for me as, you know, being the the child of immigrants and, you know, coming to the U.S. and and realizing, you know, early on in our, in our journey, we just, you know, we had to be super cautious, right? With like spending and all of these things. I mean, I remember we, uh, you know, like we often bought our shoes from like Payless Shoe Store, you know, which is like a discount shoe, uh, shoe place, right? And so I think personal finance has always been interesting because, and fascinating for me because two things, like one, I want to be like a good steward of of my finances, 
and do that well. And hopefully, you know, leave, leave Chloe something as well. And then too, you know, Susan and I, we talk a lot about, you know, we're, we're blessed beyond measure. I mean, we, neither one of us are like extravagant spenders. We don't need much in our life, you know? And so we really think a lot about our, our life and what is the purpose of it and our wealth and how do we use it to help others. And, and I love having and connecting with people like Andy, because I realize that, you know, just us making money, right. And putting in our bank account is probably not the most high leverage thing we can actually do to truly impact the lives of others. And so I hope you found today's podcast session helpful. Show notes again to Today's podcast session can be found over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 295. And again, Andy's course is over at maven.com forward slash Andy dash Gupta forward slash anyone dash can dash invest dash now. Yeah, definitely reach out and I would highly encourage you to be a part of, of that cohort if you get the chance because, uh, Andy's just a, a good person and his ability to teach and be funny and entertaining and yet so humble uh, with his knowledge. It's such a gift. As I shared on the interview, I'm, I'm looking forward to being a student in that cohort in the future. Hey friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Have a great rest of your day and I'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.